0: I personally really like that bit that Jesus said about those who teach the law. Being greatly exalted. is Exalted great. Suits me just fine. <laughs> Except of course there's also that bit about keeping the law. And while well, I think I do okay with most of the Ten Commandments, I haven't killed anyone recently. Um, I won't go Try this again. <laughs> we are all trying our best with these ten commandments, aren't we? I mean, if we're really trying to live that vision. We don't always quite live up to it, but it's what we're trying to do. But I wonder how much time do you spend consciously thinking about the ten commandments? When was the last time you? this morning, when you heard the red. <laughs> Very good. I think these are one of the these are one of those things that's in the background of our consciousness, consciousness, all the time, right? It's something that's in the background, but we don't spend a lot of time thinking about it.
1: And I realize that the one time that I
0: do think about the Ten Commandments is when they come up in some debate, usually in America, about the place of religion in public life. For instance, should we have the Lord's Prayer and Ten Commandments in schools? This is maybe such old news in Canada, but it still comes up pretty fresh in other parts of the world. What do we do with religion in the public sphere? And in some places, the Ten Commandments, like the Lord's Prayer, have become this symbol of, of a decline of the church's influence in society. And for some, this is a really big crisis. church attendance numbers, we've seen a decline in the relative influence the church has on society. And I think that's interesting. Well, let's talk a bit about the Ten Commandments, but before we do, let's place them within the big story. So, we've been working through the narrative lectionary. So, in one year, we're hearing the whole story of Scripture from beginning to end. It starts with creation in the beginning. And God creates a good world. This is good but very early in the story we have the crisis the problem and the 10th cent theological murder that is the fall we talk about sin right and that's that's anything that that gets in the way of the flourishing of that good creation so very early in the story we see things are not going quite according to plan a God through the rest of the story of scripture is trying to set it right so we have this problem and one is that humans' relationship with God gets damaged. We're not relating with God right anymore.
1: We also see that humans aren't relating with each other
0: right. So in comes the Ten Commandments. And this is God's way of saying, okay, we've got these problems. Our relationship isn't so good. Your relationships aren't so good. Here's some ground rules so that things go a little bit better. So we have these Ten Commandments. And the first four have to do with how we relate to God, and the next six have to do with how we relate with one another. So, how do we love God? Well, have no other gods before this God. That's a good. That's a good start. Don't have any other gods. Don't make an idol for yourself. And my favorite, don't take the Lord's name in vain. Which, for some people, just means. Try not to use God's name because. But I think it's much deeper than that. It's much deeper than that. It's don't claim that you're acting with God on your side, <clears throat> unless you are. And it's very easy to deceive ourselves about that. We can do all kinds of things and we think of the right thing and saying that God is on my side. The most innocent version of this, I think, maybe, maybe the most innocent, is where uh, When that young man says to a young woman, "Well, God told me that I'm going to marry." We can use it. This is how we love God. Interestingly, loving God reflects back and is good for us. We get some rest out of the deal too. That's alright. Before I get into those commands that have to do with our relationship with one another, let's back up even further. So, the first reading that we had from Exodus 19, before we get into the actual commandments, before it's the list of do's and don'ts, God says, I'm called as my special people, a people who will be my special possession, a priestly kingdom, a holy nation. I've called you out of the whole world, the whole world is mine, all these peoples I could have chosen from, I've chosen you to be my special people. Before they got the commandments, before they even had a chance to get it right or wrong, it's not conditional, it's not conditional. They're called even before they did anything right, even before they did anything good. We sort of see this ritualized when we baptize babies. I love this. We baptize them and welcome them into Christ's church before they've even done anything good, before they've done anything great. They just are. And their being is so pleasing that God welcomes them in right away. It's like that with the call of Israel. And by the way, it's like that with the church. Our relationship with God is not dependent on us getting it right all the time. (laughs) There's the good news. Because it's not just about good advice. And the Ten Commandments can look like good advice, but there's good news behind the good advice too. Okay, so we get these commandments that talk about how we live with one another. And they set some really good foundational building blocks for a functional society. Honor your parents. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't lie. These are good things. Don't covet. Don't waste your life wishing you had someone else's life. A complete waste of time. That's not what God wants for you. Thanksgiving, by the way, is the best antidote to coveting. Instead of thinking about what you don't have, what you wish you had, and you spend time being thankful for what you do have. There's a pretty powerful bit of spiritual technology there at Thanksgiving. So the big problem in Scripture is broken relationships. Broken relationship with God, broken relationships with one another. And the Ten Commandments come in as this bit of good advice for how you can sort that out. Now, as we've been working through this narrative lecture, we keep asking. How, as the church, do we fit into the story? Where do we fit into this story the story with the Ten Commandments? Let me go back to where we started, talking about the role of religion in public life. We've seen this decline, and sociologists call this secularization. There are fewer people going to church. The church has less influence on society. As a whole, less influence on people's individual lives. In Canada, we still have over 60% of Canadians identify as Christian, but the fastest growing group identifies as religious nuns, N-O-N-E-S nuns. They check none of the above on the census to say which religion do you think? This is the growth the fastest-growing segment of society, religiously. What do we do as a church in the public space? when our influence has, over decades, been diminishing. Well, we might get a bit upset about that, a bit worried, because after all, we think we've got something pretty good to offer here, don't we? Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. We think there's some good here. And we can look back at history and we can say, look at all the good things the church has done. A lot of our good systems and structures in society come out of this ethic, this morality. It comes out of the Ten Commandments. Right? It's about how we care for one another. So, you know, healthcare, education, the church has a lot to do with these things in the history of our country. But even today, we have what's called the halo effect. And every dollar giving to a church is worth three or four dollars of good in the community. Because people in the churches are volunteering because we, our reach is so much bigger than that $1 giving looks like. If we were to employ enough people to do all the work that our volunteers are doing, it would cost an extraordinary amount of money. But we're a very efficient system. Okay. You might laugh to say the church is a very efficient system. (laughs) We might not move that quickly, but we got a lot of good people into a lot of good things out of the goodness of their hearts. So this is the halo effect. We, We have a big reach because of who we are and what we do. This this, this could be seen as a loss to society, but as the church becomes a little less powerful, a little less uh, prestigious, a little less in the center of things, we maybe actually look a little bit more like Israel when they received the Ten Commandments. Remember that Israel is this small country caught between big superpowers, Egypt in the south, Syria in the north. These are the big players in the field of history. Israel is this little country. The trade room is going to move to the capital of Israel. It's not a big deal, this place. And that's the people that God chooses. The whole earth is mine. I could have chosen from everybody. I'm going to pick you. You little people, I'm going to pick you. And through you, I'm going to bless everyone else, not from a position Power, or dominance or domination, not from a place where they have any leverage to coerce anyone to live the way they want them to, but from a place of, of humility, a place from the margins. And so, as the church finds itself a little bit more on the margins, maybe we shouldn't be worried about that. Maybe that's exactly where God wants to work through us from. because any time the church tries to use force or power to do anything, it doesn't go well. Think about the Christian right that wants to strong arm its ideas of morality and turn it into law. That's not at all attractive for people. And it doesn't work. It doesn't work in a lasting way. So we come from the edges, and we invite, and we say, do you know what, we have this way of being that might just be really good news. Because what we have in the church, and as I look around and I look at all of your faces, we have a diverse group of people here. People with lots of varied backgrounds. And I'll bet you we don't all agree politically. No. All in one room with one common purpose. The world needs a lot of that these days because there are lots who would want to divide. A lot of who have discovered that if you want to win, you can separate people from one another. That's not the vision that God has. That's not the vision that the Ten Commandments give us. That's about bringing people together. And the church is about bringing diverse people together. So this is a gift we offer to the world as the church, as a diverse group of people, to say, this is what could be, would you join us? Amen.